0: setting your passion on fire with special guest Scott Allen on today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Pro Writing Aid. Save thousands of dollars on an editor by using the best tool in the business at servemaster.com front slash ProWritingAid.
1: Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host. I really
0: enjoyed my interview with Scott Allen. I can't wait to share it with you in just a moment. If you look closely, maybe you'll figure out which movie star he looks like to me. And He has something about his voice that's so hypnotic. It's just so relaxing and so soothing. You can see why people... Love listening to him, and I was so excited to have him as a guest for today's episode. He's going to teach us strategies for figuring out what you truly want and what you should do, how to take over life and time management and develop those skills, which is so important because there's such a challenge for those of us who transition from working part-time to full-time, suddenly we have so much time, it's hard to fill that time efficiently, and how to use writing as a lever or a mechanism to escape the nine-to-five lifestyle. Scott's an amazing expert. We're really, really lucky to get him for today's episode, and I know you're going to love everything he has to say right now. Everyone, I'm so excited here to have Scott Allen. He's an amazing bestselling author of nine books, including Relaunch Your Life, Do It Scared, and Drive Your Destiny. He's on a mission to help people break down mental barriers and the limitations that keep them stuck so they can finally take some action and start to do the work they love. This is something I'm very excited by. He's also dedicated a great amount of his time to learning all the necessary techniques and strategies to design an abundant and a thriving lifestyle. And in his books and blog posts, he shares those strategies. And his goal, of course, is to work together with his followers, to design a life that's fun, and challenging, and means there's something more to life than working beyond the Monday 9 to 5. Thank you so much for being here right now, Scott. We're really excited to have you uh, as part of this event. And I know we've got some really great stuff to talk about. And I'd love to start. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the overall theme of your books.
2: Sure. So the theme of my books, um, I cover... Uh, topics uh, that helps people to get over rejection overcome fear and to live a thriving lifestyle and do what they do best do what they love to do how can people figure out
0: what they want to do best sometimes people they like oh, I have ten hobbies I'm not sure what I want to do it's like when we're kids it's so easy to know what we love to do we just want to play all the time but when we're adults sometimes we get so caught up in the grind we're not even sure what we want to do
2: yeah so uh, what I found is that working with people is that they they tend to um, be very disorganized in the way that they, they feel like the thing that they should be doing is what they feel most passionate about. But when they really dive into it, it's not so much the passion, but it's that, uh, that driving force that uh, they have to tap into this driving force that's really, it's been there the whole time, you know, since they were kids. So when I work with people one-on-one... We try to discover what that thing is, and or what it was, and to bring it back out into the, uh, you know, into their 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 presence, so that they can uh, use the strategies that I have in my books to, um, you know, to better to expand on that and focus on the one thing that they really love to do the most. So, you know, like you said, people have like five, 10, 20 hobbies. They're not sure what it is that they want to do. Um, you can't master everything and You know, you can do a a few things really well, or you can do one thing exceptionally well. So we narrow in on that one thing that they've always been exceptional at uh, doing, and uh, we get them onto a track where they can take um, action-based steps that uh, gets them moving forward to make that progress. so.
0: So with this passion for helping people, which is amazing, I love what you're talking about because it took me a long time to figure out what I want to do with my life. I spent 10 years in the wrong career. How did you transition from that to becoming a writer and decide on the theme of your books? How did that process start?
2: Yeah, I've always been reading um, and studying books on uh, personal development, self help, um, I guess, for the last uh, 20 years or so. And um, I've always been a writer um, at heart. And I wrote my first book when I was probably 14 or 15. And then I, you know, I gave it up when I don't know. Life stuff just got in the way. And like yourself, I ended up in a series of careers that I won't say that they were the wrong things that I was doing the wrong things, but, um, it wasn't what I really wanted to do, you know? Um, but all of those, uh, all of those jobs, the things that I was doing eventually led into the writing because, um, I had the, you know, sometimes you have to do the things you don't want to do before you start doing the things that you'd love to do. So, um, I'd always talked about writing books and, um, one day, I just got so tired of talking about it. I thought, I'm just going to finally start doing it again. So, um, And that was it. I just sat down with pen and paper, brainstormed um, my goals for that, um, ideas for the books, and um, it started from there. Um, originally, I was actually a fiction author, and then I started to create the nonfiction uh, series of books that I have now by drafting those out one by one. And, um, you know, it was really hard in the beginning because I still had a full-time job and I had to go to that every day. I had small kids and a lot of people that I work with are in a similar situation where they're so busy, they don't have time to work on their dreams. So, um, but what I discovered is that, uh, you know, we all have that same amount of time in a day and you just have to carve it out, whether it's an hour a day, 30 minutes a day, um, but you have to commit to something um, in order to uh, you know to work on that uh, to, to work on your thing and like you're saying you know you have to also know what that is so um, again for me i did a lot of i uh, did meditation on it i mean i still meditate but i did a lot of meditation on it visual- visualization i knew what it was that i wanted to accomplish it's just a question of how am i how is i going to do this thing so So you mentioned this is interesting to me, that you started on fiction and then transitioned
0: to nonfiction. What was that like, and what's the difference for you in those two processes? Like, how do you find it different?
2: Yeah, for the 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 nonfiction was uh, it just felt like it was something that I had to do at that time, and it still is. Um, I felt compelled to write it, although I had already written a couple of uh, fiction books. I did not publish them; I shelved them, and they will be published at a later date, but. I just felt like there was a uh, a calling for me to put out these uh, this well at the time I was working on one fiction novel and um, or sorry a, a nonfiction I was working on a fiction book shelved that I went to work on a nonfiction book and um, um, I just felt driven to 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 get this thing done um, so and that was what I did I committed three years to well it actually took me three years to write it and then I self-published it probably three or four years after the, you know, from the date that I'd started it. So there's a long process there because when I um, started writing again, uh, self-publishing still wasn't around. And then, you know, maybe when I eventually published it in 2011, I think Amazon was, you know, probably getting going, you know, and then people were getting kind of jumping on board and that, but uh, there weren't like a lot of courses or any courses at that time um, on how to do it. So I just learned from uh, Steve Scott was a good mentor for me and learned a lot from him, you know, other books uh, that I picked up, but um, it was a big learning curve. But I think it just came down to this one thing is that whatever it takes, you know, so when when, um, people ask me, well, what does it take for me to Uh, Well, my answer is always, well, whatever it takes, that's what you you have to do, Uh, whether it's finding that time, um, you know, um, skipping your lunch hours to work on your thing, staying up late at night. It's just that's what it takes for you to uh, to find your success. Then, you know, you have to uh, you have to commit to um, getting it done that way. So
0: that's a really good point, because I find a lot of people when I say, oh, well, you have to. If you want to have your, whatever it is, you have to give something up, whether it's going out at night, you know, or if you want to lose weight, you have to stop drinking and stop eating cake or something like that. We've had three birthday parties here this week. That's why cake's on my mind. It's like every day temptation. I'm like, kids, eat it as fast as you can so daddy doesn't eat it. Or, but we always have these excuse like, oh, I want to learn this, but I don't want to stop watching TV. I don't want to do that. How can people overcome that barrier? Because first it's identifying what their like bad habit is. Mm -hmm. or where they're spending time without realizing because a lot of people say I have no time and I say well how much TV do you watch every week and they're like oh 20 hours and you go well what if you stopped Mm -hmm. or or what if you just didn't watch commercials you'd get two or three hours back a week but so I guess it's that process how do people identify where their opportunity is to invest time and then how do they create that motivation
2: yeah exactly yeah that was the challenge that I faced Um, it still is I mean because I'm very easily distracted and you know, like everybody else, you know, love to watch my Netflix and and, and those other things. But uh, back then when I had even less time, um, yeah, I was probably putting in like, you know, I was always talking about writing a book and this and that, but I never had the time for it. And yet I was putting in probably an hour to two hours a day watching TV, playing games, et cetera, everything else but writing, you know, so... I had to identify what those uh, top two or three things were, or at least the top number one thing that was stealing my time per day Um, and eliminate it. And that meant unplugging the television, not completely, but I would would just not watch any TV during the week. And I'm still kind of like that, not as much, but I definitely cut down on it by 90%. And um, the video game console was out the door. There was no question about that. So um, you know, those are the two big um, time wasters for me. Also, um, identifying what uh, what my distractions were, so that I would keep a you know I would keep a note of these things in front of me, um, sticky notes on the wall. I have a little sticky note. Um, I still keep on my computer. It says, "What are you doing now?" Because uh, when I get sidetracked on something, I need to bring my focus back. Um, and then the next thing is identifying. Now that you've gotten those things taken care of identifying the times of day where now that you're not doing this, you know, what will you be doing for this time block? So I'm really big on time blocking. Um, for example, my writing time, I time block that in every day. It's not the same time every day, but it is that one hour or two hours per day that I put in for writing. And, um, and again, you know, maybe you're not a writer, you're, you're building your, your online course, your business, whatever it is. Um, You know, what gets scheduled gets done. So I've got to time block that in and then protecting that time no matter what. And, of course, we have family and other commitments that we have to work around because uh, not everybody is just going to drop everything when, you know, we suddenly become busy with our life's passion. Um, So sometimes that time block was late at night and other times it's, you know, early in the morning. So... Um, that's the strategy that I started using in the beginning and it's, uh, you know, it's still working to this day. So
0: that's really interesting because sometimes I notice that if I don't have a plan, I sit at the computer, I've done something for two hours and I go, I don't know what I did. Hmm. And it's like, we have all these alerts, like I have so many different chat programs. So that's why even at the start of our call, I had to like close five of them because everyone uses a different one that I work with. It's like, Skype and Facebook messenger. And my team uses a rocket chat. We have all these different things that are pinging at us and then email as well. Like I can, I don't know about you, but I get hundreds of emails a day and I spend actually every week, just a few hours making new rules into my email inbox saying, push this into the fluff folder. This goes into the spam folder. This goes into alerts. This goes into never going to look at it. And then like today when I turn on my email, it goes, Doo, do, do, do. it looks like a ton. Then I click on the inbox and close to look at it. It goes, you have three emails. And we don't realize how much of the email is junk so i wonder what's a pro, what's the best process people can use to use their time efficiently to not get distracted because our computers have stopped being work tools and now they're like entertainment tools as well so how can people be a little more focused in and figure out what's the best use of their time like what is the biggest roi the biggest return investment or the biggest most efficient use of their small blocks of time?
2: Yeah. I found that um, focus is, uh, is definitely a challenge. It still is. Um, and similar to yourself, you know, I have Slack and HubSpot and all these other, uh, you know, so I'm getting pings and messages and I just had to, um, um, so what I do uh, in my daily work is I schedule time for those things as well, but I have to turn them off when I'm on my computer. Like I'll, I'll take the apps, um, I'll I'll basically, yeah, take the apps, you know, disengage them, they're off, like they're not, they're not even turned on, because if they are, um, and my phone as well, like, uh, that's, that's another thing, Uh, phones are great, they can do amazing things, but they're pinging and buzzing and jumping around when you get a message. And it's just like that instant gratification, you want to go check to see who's contacting you. So uh, there is an app that I was using. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of it, but it was actually, it it eliminates all of that. And it just focus. it just uses a timer. And that timer is what I use when I'm working. I've got myself on like a 25 minute timer. So Um, the other option is just to turn the phone off, get rid of the apps. And I've got the, probably the tomato timer um, that works uh, really well. And it does 25 minutes, five minute break. And, um, I've been using that for like the last like year or so, and it's just been amazingly good because it's the only thing that I'm actually watching as I'm working and I can check to see how much time I've got until the timer ticks down. So, but you know, that ROI, that's, um, that's the thing that I've, you know, I've talked about with a lot of people because when you start out on something and even if you're really passionate about it, um, you're not really sure like, well, what if I invest a year or two or three years into this, say, writing a book, starting a business, whatever it may be you don't know at the end of it if uh, you know you're going to get your money's worth. You, maybe you've just invested ten or twenty thousand dollars into this you know scheme or, or, or grand plan and at the end of it um, you know it just it didn't work. so that is part of the risk um, but um, you know that's why I always believe that if you want to get uh, if you want to become successful with something, then first of all, you have to know like why you really want it. Like how important is this thing to you? Um, are you sure that it's you that really wants it or is it somebody else? Right? And uh, the third thing is um, you have to have a plan to get there uh, and also understand like, um, like when you do reach that goal, uh, you know what does that look like? You know, are you are you going to be free of your job? Like, is if your end goal is to like eventually quit your job and um, you know go work for yourself full time doing something you love to do, then you know what are you going to have to give up along the way, and what's it going to look like at the end um, after you've achieved that goal? Now, as far as like a guarantee on success, well, nobody can guarantee that, but I always believe that you know if I'm if I'm doing the thing that it's just driving me. If something's driving me to get this thing done, then um, I just feel like uh, I'm just going to follow that. Like that was the that's the best advice I can give is to just like I don't want to make it sound cheesy, like follow your heart and all that. But it was really like investing in something that I totally believed in. And you know, if it doesn't work out, well, I didn't lose anything to begin with. Hopefully, not too much. But if it does, well, I mean, it could change everything. So
0: I find that sometimes like when I'm talking with a coaching client of my own throughout my career that all the different careers I've had sometimes I say to someone well what's your goal and then they say well it's this like oh I want to quit my job Mm -hmm. and it's like well what is that like or what do you actually want or sometimes they go oh I want to write a book and like well what if you write a book and no one ever reads it Mm -hmm. is it satisfied with that goal and then they go oh no well actually I want this and they go you know and so sometimes it's hard for people to um, elicit or actually say what their real goal is because they they say what they think they're supposed to say they go oh I just want to write because I love the art but it's like no you want to make money from your book and those things so how can people kind of get to that through that actual process to figure out what their goal really is because sometimes people achieve what they wrote down their initial goal was and then they're not happy because they incorrectly predicted what they wanted to achieve
2: yeah so I spent a lot of time um, you know doing goal planning writing things out I'm trying to figure out like, what's, uh, you know, what's the best approach? Like, what's the best, what's, what's my number one thing that I'm shooting for? Um, Cause I've got five or 10, you know, master goals that I've got outlined for the next say 10 years. Right. But um, uh, when I start to focus on all of those things, I get, you know, very overwhelmed. First of all. Um, secondly, I'm probably working on more things than just say writing a book or creating a course. And third, when that happens, um, you get frustrated and you give up and then you go back to either the drawing board or you just give up completely and go back to doing what you're doing before. So I was, um, I suggest to people to, um, and this was something that worked really well for me. Um, I, I'm really into, I'm really big into mind mapping and I started mind mapping um my top three goals that I wanted to uh, achieve in the next say five years and then I took that number one goal and made that the number one thing and I had mind maps like all of, like I probably had three big mind maps in my room um, visual boards is what I call them you know they're called visual boards and that's where I would map out you know the, like the big dream because I needed to I needed it to look real I mean I needed to feel it I need to I needed to believe in it and so I needed something visual that I could uh, come to every day and it was it was on my wall so i could actually add things to it and um it was just great because it kept me um moving in i think it was i was moving in the right direction but i knew that because um next to that i had a list of tasks like daily tasks of things that i had to do to lead up to uh you know accomplishing this thing was like hundreds of tasks but it was broken up over like months or like or or a year so it's really like this that long-term commitment as well i work with a lot of um you know authors who say you know they want to write full-time and and you know make money from their book like you said but um so we know it's not that easy to make money from a book and it's a long-term commitment and um you know there's a lot of noise out there about how you can make uh money overnight if you write a you know a 30-page report and da 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 and make ten thousand dollars and all that but it's not true. And I tell people like, if you really want to do this, it's got to be a long-term commitment, and you've got to have a plan to get there. Um, you know, it's not going to be a perfect plan, but be prepared to be flexible, and um, you know, be prepared for big changes along the way. And the, the the change thing kind of scares people because they're thinking that the big change is going to come at the end when they achieve their their goal, and there's going to be this big transformation, but actually transformation is going to happen along the way. Um, not everyone's going to like what you're doing, but if you stay 100% committed to it in the end, they're going to understand it. So, um, you know, I tend to, I work with people on you know creating a vision for that and then stick, making a decision that they're going to, they're going to, you know, um, accomplish what they set out to do no matter what. And then again, doing whatever it takes to get there. And, um, uh, you know, tweaking, you know, making whatever tweaks they need to make along the way. And eventually like, you know, if you stick with it, whether it's, you know, if you, if you want to be a full-time author, this is what it takes. Not this, not the one book or the two books, but when I show people like the actual blueprint of what it really takes, uh, they get really intimidated because it's a lot of work. But again, it's, um, if you want to, if you really want to do this thing, then You've either got Plan A, which is a which is short term focused, and you might make a few dollars, or you might you know, but you're not going to be able to you know, you're not going to be quitting your job overnight. But if you go over here, maybe you can um, accomplish this in the next five to ten years, and yes, you can achieve your goals. So I try to make it. I have to make it realistic. It has to be grounded in reality. Um, You know, no um, no fluffy dreams of like overnight success. You know, you you probably know overnight success takes. uh, five to 10 years at least to, you know, to accomplish anyway. So
0: that's really interesting because I know so many people, they're like, oh, I want to build an entire business in 30 days. I'm like, I would love to do that too. Mm. I've been doing this for for a decade now and I'm still building to where I want to get to. So I like that you talk about having a long-term plan this year. I'm all about process, process, process. So I'm constantly writing down and going, how can we be more efficient? What's the right process to do this?" So the I know that it's consistent action over time is a lot more valuable than big action for a week and then quitting and running out of energy. So I'm all about kind of that marathon mindset. And I know that you talk about five-year plans and most people don't think that far into the future. They're like, I'm just thinking five days into the future. So could you tell us a little bit about what your five-year plan is going forward from the level you're at now and where you're going in the future?
2: Yeah. So my five-year plan is um, I'm working on building a um, community of, uh, people who are dedicated to uh, making massive change, like not just in their lives, but in the lives of others as well. But um, a lot of the people that like, for example, um, readers who are reading my books, you know, I get emails all the time from them saying, you know, this is like, this is what I'm trying to accomplish or this is what I want to achieve. Um, Can you help me do this? Um, They're looking for the best strategies now that's going to be able to move them forward. So I'm gathering all of this information. Actually, this year, like I'm in a similar situation as you are, where I'm very business focused this year. On uh, you know, there's the creative side, and then there's the business side, where I'm very focused on that and building out a system in order that, in order for me to be able to achieve that five-year plan. But number one is building a um, a very a community that's very committed to. Uh, um, you know, helping them, helping themselves and helping other people. Um, next is, uh, uh, the books that I'm, you know, I've been writing, I've got to, I think I'm, I'll be re- releasing the 15th one at the end of March. And, you know, they've up until now, they've been covering a lot of different uh, topics, but I'm narrowing things down so that it's more specific on uh, like each book's more specific on one strategy moving forward. So, um, Another part of the five-year plan is um, um, creating a, uh, not just a community, but a, um, a and like, a, it's like an op center for where people can opt in, and then they can have the, uh, you know, they can choose to take, uh, you know, if this is what you want to do, you're going to be taking direction A, B, or C. So I'm still working out the, the logistics of it, um, because last year, actually, I, you know, I did quit my full-time job, and now I'm writing full-time. And also doing coaching um, and so um, a lot of my time is spent either writing or it's focusing on the uh, the aspects of the business which is um, you know um, getting people more getting more people onto the um, into my email funnel but also um, giving them the direction that they need like once they once they opt in you know like I want to know exactly who they are and what it is that they want to achieve and then I want to build out the strategies to help them achieve it
0: and what are some of the challenges you faced along this process and some of the ones you see going forward and building out this amazing ops center this place where people can have an amazing community to improve their lives
2: well everyone's got a different goal and i say 30 to 40 percent of the people maybe they're over here in, in group a and the other third are here and then the other third are here so it um, becomes a little bit more complicated because uh, if you create three things, it's almost like running three different businesses, right? Whereas if you've got that one thing, um, then, you know, you've got something where you can just funnel people into this one direction, but that's the challenge and that's something we're, we're still working on um, because, um, you know, um, I'm sure that might work if, uh, you know, you're Tony Robbins and you've got 40 different companies and you can take people and put them into those different funnels, but I'm um, not quite at that level yet. And um, I'm not sure if I will be or I want to be, but uh, right now it's just uh, figuring out um, what is the best direction that, um, like, what is the, what can I help people achieve and how can I help them to achieve it? And what do I need to build out to, to, uh, to help them, you know, it's not just about accomplishing goals too. It's uh, you know, it's uh, a lot of people are just, um, they don't have any goals at all. They just want to become, um, you know, less anxious in their current job or, they want to overcome, um, you know, certain fears that they can start dating again, or you know, things like that. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, knowing knowing what it is that they want, um, creating content that's going to help them to do it, and then um, being able to follow up with them after that to see if they've actually, you know, accomplished what they set out to do. So, like, I guess, you know, did I did I help them or not? That's in the end, that's what I want to know. And if I if I did, fantastic. I want to know. How that happened. And if I didn't, I also want to know what happened. So it's just, uh, you know, gathering that data and, and, and getting um, feedback from people.
0: What would you say is the number one reason you found success with your books over the past 10
2: years? I think the reason for that, like uh, one of the reasons is, um, well, first of all, I was very, I don't want to use the word passion, but I mean, I was very driven to uh, write the certain books that I did. And um, I think I, I put a lot of heart into them, as most people do when they write their books. but um, Um, I was very specific about what I wanted in the book as well so I didn't just you know sit down and start pounding out a bunch of words well maybe I did in the beginning but eventually I started uh, being very systematic in mind mapping the content having a very solid outline changing that as I went Um, I would give um, sample chapters to people and get feedback you know I don't I still do that to this day but um in the beginning it was very important for you know people to go through each chapter give me feedback on that and um also the um targeting like a, I do target a uh, you know my books are more like for a, a general audience so um i won't say like you know it's not for everybody but if you're looking to uh you know overcome rejection well which and as it turns out most people are although they won't admit it right out um this is the book that you need so I was writing books that I knew could help a uh, the majority of the people and also branding, uh, you know, branding it uh, to, you know, so that I could, um, uh, I was, I was branding the books basically like, so that, uh, you know, to, I could help them overcome um, the obstacles that they were facing. And um, these are strategies that I would, uh, I would come up with. Sometimes they would adapt them from other resources, but um, uh, when I put them into the, And I put them into my book. I would break it down into a system so that if you're, you know, if you're feeling this way, you have to go through and, you know, go through like here's step one, step two, step three. So I had a systematic approach to um, the material. Okay. Uh,
0: Building on that, what's the number one piece of advice or strategy you'd give to people that are trying to change the way they're living? What's the first thing that they can do to start feeling or experiencing some change?
2: Yeah. So, um, probably like the number one thing that um, worked for me in the beginning and it still works now is um, um, I wake up super early usually around 5 a.m. sometimes 4 30 5 a.m. and um, one of the uh, things that I was doing for the longest time that was very unproductive was I wake up and start checking my email seeing who contacted me da, 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 and then I'd start doing that first thing in the morning so if that's what you're doing um, first of all stop doing that secondly have something that you can work on um, like wake up wake up really early it's I think it's a great way to uh, start the day and especially if you have you know um, family you, you need to take care of and they usually get up like really early as well so I got up early I had a plan for when I woke up I was gonna work on like you know maybe this one thing or a couple of things and um, before I went to bed at night I would have a plan of what that looked like so every night before going to bed, I map out my, um, you know, I map out the day. And uh, that way when I wake up, I know exactly what I'm doing. So very, being very systematic about that. Um, Also um, spend, um, spend at least, uh, you know, one hour a week. I usually do this on a Sunday night where I'll spend one, maybe two hours on that day mapping out what my week looks like, you know? So aside from the full-time job I have to go to and, you know, taking care of family or whatever it is that you have to do. Um, I would map out my week and then plan my the tasks that I am focused on for that week. I would plan it into my week. So knowing what it is that you have to do ahead of time. So you're not just showing up lost and you're not, you know, like, you know, it's like showing up to write a book and you don't know what to write about because you didn't plan anything out to begin with. So
0: Okay. That's really, really valuable because I think so many people get stuck in that idea. Well, we, we, first challenge right is to be able to use that one or two hours a day we have when we're not in our main jobs and we finally quit that daytime job so we have all this free time and we don't know what to do with it. so how do you stay productive now that you've gone over that transition now that you're this business you're building is the main thing that you're doing and suddenly you have you know you know how to be efficient with small blocks of time but now you have these massive blocks of time. How do you stay the course?
2: yeah, that was really tough in the beginning and a year later it's still my probably my number one obstacle and I think it was a Joanna Penn said, too, I think it probably took her, what, a year or two to actually get into the rhythm of that when she left her uh, full-time job. So um, first of all, I need to be aware of when I'm wasting time, which um, yesterday, for example, I was uh, sitting down for two hours, and after two hours, I realized I hadn't actually gotten anything done. And I just realized it like two hours later, and I actually backtracked to see what it was that I was working on. And I started checking the history of my computer, and, you know, I was like, one minute I was writing, the next minute I was off chasing something on Amazon. Um, so it just happens like that. It's having that awareness like um, that um, you know, you're know you actually doing something that you shouldn't be doing. And that's why I've got these little um, messages around, like, what are you doing now? I've got a timer set for 25 minutes that goes off. When it goes off, I'm either doing the thing that I should have been doing, or I'm not doing it. Right? So I found that if I've got like a four hour window in the afternoon four hours is, is a long time to focus on one thing so you really do have to break it up into you know well maybe you are that kind of person who can focus like that um i'm not so it has to be in 30 minute segments or it can be in one hour like by you know it can be 30 minutes one hour whatever works for you um i did find though that uh, once you really get into something you're really super focused on that you can stay there for you know two or three hours but it is good to uh, the other challenge is of course sitting you know if you're sitting at a desk all day i've got standing desk of course a sitting desk standing desk i need to move around and um you know get your exercise in a lot of stretching helps as well stretching is fantastic for blood circulation um i've been doing that as well and that's just had a huge impact so um but uh, but anyway yeah i'd like um, if you are, I think, working from home, it um, it sounds like the dream job, but uh, it can also go very wrong for a lot of people because you're used to maybe being in that office. Maybe that's not where you want it to be, but uh, when you're working from home, suddenly you've got all this quiet time and it seems like free time when you're actually supposed to be working. So I found like changing up the environment as well. I have to leave home in the daytime to go, um, you know, to a coffee shop actually to get uh, the writing done because that's I can. Um, I'm more productive there when when I switch my environment around. So
0: that's amazing, and that you've given us so much great knowledge today. Thank you for spending so much time with us. I know that people are loving all of this content and they can't wait to learn more about you so thank you so much scott for spending time with us and i can't wait to see all the amazing feedback we're going to get for this awesome presentation so thank you a lot for being here and i know everyone else appreciates it. it was really really great i know i learned a lot
2: all right thank you thanks for having me here thank you so
0: much for listening to today's episode you can find out more about scott at scottallenauthor.com the link will be in the show notes and it's s-c-o-t-t A-L-L-A-N, author.com. Thank you, Rooster, from next door. Let you guys know that, of course, I'm still in the garden recording these beginnings and endings, these intros and exits. We're really excited to have amazing content like this as part of the authorship series. Please show Scott some love. Throw a thumbs up below this video so he knows how much you appreciated his amazing
1: content. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Serve No Master. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll be back next Tuesday with more tips and tactics on how to escape that rat race. Head over to servenomaster.com forward slash podcasts now for your chance to win a free copy of Jonathan's bestseller, Serve No Master. All you have to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast. See you Tuesday.
0: Ready to turn your book into a bestseller? Find out what other authors don't want you to know at servenomaster.com forward slash secrets.